Well, I hope it's recording. Let's get into this. Episode 232 of the Constitutionals Podcast. <laughs> Theme song coming at you. I've never done that before. Three, two, one. <laughs> And welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the premier podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. Like I just said, it's a website. Go there. Here we are, episode 233 of the Constitutionals Podcast. I believe I did a little preamble at the beginning of this uh, show that said 232. We'll see if I included it. Also, if you hear diners, drivers, and dives playing on the TV, <laughs> that's exactly what's going on. 233, here we are talking about uh, this week's news that happened in the trades or in the entertainment business industry or even sometimes the business industry if it has just a little bit of effect on the entertainment business industry. What's going on this week? Nothing, just got a haircut. Uh, and what else did I do? Uh, I Nothing, truly. Oh, you know what? There's a sale. <laughs> if you have Target Circle... I urge you to check it out. Great sales. 40% off of video games is what they had. I bought uh, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Mario Superstars. So it's the highlight of my day-to-day. And uh, we'll see where it goes from there. (laughs) Although it is 3.30, so (laughs) probably nothing's going to (laughs) happen. Hey, let's get into this first story. This comes from Variety, written by Jennifer Moss. Mass? Moss. M-A-S. HBO... Max and Discovery Plus will be combined into one platform. What everybody in the world probably would have pointed to at some just even hearing that one company is going to buy another or merge with a number, number, a number, <laughs> merge with a number. This is exactly what uh, anybody could have said was going to happen. Obviously, HBO Max and Discovery Plus are going to become one platform. I believe Discovery Plus was growing at a pretty decent rate, pretty decent clip. Uh, but HBO Max is the name that people recognize. When people hear Discovery, they probably think of Discovery Network instead of Discovery Networks, which encompasses TLC and Food Network. I'm watching that over there, and and the and the like and such. So, it's an interesting it's an interesting proposition. I think it's a it's a smart one, obviously. And there's no telling when that will happen, but it will happen. Uh, right now, it is probably going to be as uh, Discovery CFO Gunnar Wiedenfels, who is going to serve as the CFO for the newly combined Warner Bros. Discovery. Uh, as 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 Gunnar suggests, the first step during the integration will be some sort some sort. Some for- I had it right the first time. Some form of bundling, which is how I can describe uh, this show. Some form of bundling. Okay, and and uh, so we're gonna see something along the lines of Disney Plus, Hulu, uh, and um, ESPN Plus. Uh, you, you know what? And in in the same vein, I can see ESPN Plus being phased out uh, and and being turned. Well, you know what? <laughs> and in that in that respect, I can see Hulu being phased out and being uh, melded into Disney Plus. But there's so much, you know, Disney Plus this week, 
on the 15th, they got the uh, Marvel Netflix shows, Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, and um, uh, The Defenders, which they all melded into The Defenders, that limited series, which was supposed to be a multiple seasons, but I guess it didn't do well enough. And then Punisher, which they include in the Defender series for some reason. I don't know. I've never, I haven't, I've only seen the first season of Jessica Jones and I've only seen uh, three episodes of <laughs> Dare, Daredevil. So I have no idea if uh, Punisher feeds into that at some point. I think he should though. Uh, but it's, you know, the those shows are very MA, TVMA rated. And for, 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 the, for, the, for the money, I thought they would head over to you know, to Hulu. I thought that that's where they would be, but obviously they want to keep all this uh, MCU stuff in the in the same vein, in the same worlds, I guess, in the same platform. So they move all that. They move those Netflix shows over to uh, to Disney Plus, and now they have a parental f- uh, ratings things on on Disney Plus, where Disney Plus was supposed to be for families. Hulu was supposed to be the adult thing, and ESPN Plus is supposed to be the sports thing. But now a lot of ESPN Plus stuff, a lot of 30 for 30s, a lot of sports docs are on ESPN Plus, a lot of, or excuse me, are on Disney Plus, rather, and a lot of, uh, 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 all of all of ESPN Plus can be viewed on Hulu, and then uh, there are some things from Hulu that lived on Hulu that are now sharing by coastal lives on Disney Plus. So, you know, it's a, uh, as much as these companies want to build some type of synergy, they also uh, are kind of are pointing in in, in an area of where uh, they where I think it's going to uh, eventually go, where we're going to have you know seven apps <laughs> instead of uh, 15, 14 apps, and everything's going to be uh, merged into one. So for di- and you know, and I think I think this is a bad idea, but CNN Plus should have been molded into. Uh, HBO Max, I think. I think for everything, but you know, uh, CNN Plus launches next week, and and I'll be doing an episode on it the week after it. But on an episode of Newstime of the week after. But uh, I just, uh, you know, I think the the more people that you can retain on one app, the better. You know, even for you know the the joke is that people uh, who when you're on Netflix, you're like, oh, I just can't find anything to watch. Uh, I can't find anything to watch on Prime Video because it's a bad app. <laughs> <laughs> Do you try? Have we tried scrolling through Prime Video? My God, that's my. Um, that's how I use the remote. That's how I use the Chromecast with Google TV remote. Uh, it's a very tiny remote that is prone to getting disgusting. Even if you don't even have anything in your hands, just prone to getting just gross. Uh, and and scrolling through that is horrible. But I I could I could definitely see at some point there being a uh, if you hear. I chose to record at this time. I said I set a reminder on my calendar, a task, a Google task. I set a task to start recording at three. It is three thirty when I sat down, <laughs> and uh, and this guy started blowing this uh, uh, wind machine outside, gas blower. You know, the big issue in Atlanta where a lot of people uh, use those gas uh, uh, blowers, the uh, leaf blowers, at uh, and I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding when I say this. It's like 5 a.m. in the morning, uh, uh, sometimes after 11 p.m., sometimes after 10, like a lot of times after 10, 
Uh, and it's a, it's a big complaint and there's like, there's people complaining about it and there's bills to be passed and such. Anyway, there's that. I'm only reminded of that, but I would, I, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that the, the, the best, the best, either, either you merge all the apps or you don't. Uh, and, and, and I know, you know, if we, if we bring CNN plus then HBO max, we'll have to go up to $20 a month. I'll tell you what, Netflix is already $20 a month and, uh, you better believe that's making me watch it more. Twenty dollars. Well, I guess I gotta. I guess I gotta. Uh, what What is this show? Uh, Human resources. I did want to watch that, so that's what I did watch at three o'clock instead of doing this. So Discovery Plus already costs five dollars a month with ads, uh, seven without, and just merging them. I don't think should raise the prices. Uh, HBO Max is ten dollars with ads and fifteen without. Um, it, it you know and. Uh, and this is just an easier way to, to bolster subscribers and say uh, we have a lot of people subscribing to us and you should give us your ad dollars. Um, it, it's, it's telling subscribers, hey, we can we can get and retain you guys. But it's also telling uh, the 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 companies that want to work with Netflix, hey, we can also do this, too. And that's why, you know, ad, that's why uh, the subscriber numbers matter a lot. But hey, speaking of merging, this other one comes from Jennifer Moss over at Variety. She's over on the acquisition beat, the merger beat. Amazon closes that $8.5 billion acquisition of MGM. It's, it's very true. Last May, Amazon said, we're going to buy MGM. And then people said, MGM's still around? Said, yeah, we make James Bond movies. <laughs> oh, okay. Is that James Bond movie coming out? Uh, is COVID still around? <laughs> Lo and behold, it still it still came out. I think that was the first movie I saw in theaters. No, it wasn't. I don't know. It it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> I've seen other ones <laughs> before that. I mean, in general, I've never seen a movie in theaters. MGM buying MGM is uh, bringing four thousand movies, seventeen thousand TV episodes, uh, and I don't give a crap about the awards over there to Prime Video. I don't know when this stuff is going to land, and, uh, th- and there's no telling if that's going to have, you know, if this is if Prime Video is going to be the streaming home of the James Bond movies, which are notoriously streaming on um, across every streaming app, probably you know Discovery Plus, uh, Tubi, it's definitely on Pluto. There's a uh, there's a James Bond channel, which is uh, one of the three channels I watch on there. Although my favorites, I do have like a stack of favorites. I just tend not to watch uh, anything else. The FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, did not file a legal challenge before the deadline. And they have not, uh, and, and so far they have not said anything. However, Jennifer writes, an individual with knowledge of the matter told Variety, the FTC does not formally approve transactions. So I challenge them, or is, yeah, yeah, we know that's how that's how it happens. <laughs> that's what it means. MGM is uh, one of the oldest studios. They got James Bond, Pink Panther, Rocky, and uh, they—I mean—they got a good—they got a good uh, amount over there. <laughs> good amount over there, and uh, and so far within the past couple of years. Out of all of the biggest mergers, this is not. It, it ranks as one of the biggest for uh, for for television and film, but it's still, or excuse me, for entertainment. But it's still 
uh, is is below several others, including Discovery and Scripps Networks, which I used to work for, uh, Scripps Networks. Uh, <laughs> it is, uh, yeah, did not enjoy it. Uh, CBS and Viacom, they're, they're re-emerging. Warner Media and Discovery. Microsoft and Blizzard, Disney and Fox, and the top one is AT&T and Time Warner, which was a waste of money on AT&T's part. I wonder if this means that Amazon is going to reopen old um, uh, uh, franchises. They got a franchise over there like uh, Silence of the Lamb. Uh, I wonder if we're going to see more Poltergeist movies. The latest Poltergeist movie I really enjoyed. The Magnificent Seven, that was them. I think both versions. As well as uh, shows like Fargo, The Handmaid's Tale, and Vikings. Too bad they did not get that Netflix Vikings show. Hey, let's move on. Continuing with film. Continuing with variety. Pete Saperstein writes, Only 7% of movies in the 2021 featured more women than men, study finds. And then here we have uh, three white women on the uh, the under the headline here for the uh, for that picture, male characters in uh, films continue to heavily outnumber female characters in 2021, according to the latest "It's a Man" world study from uh, Dr. Martha Lausen, executive director of the Center for the Women of Television. Uh, excuse me, for the study of women in television and film at San Diego State University. Oh, in San Diego, that's why there's three wet women on the front. A hefty 85%. A lot of red hats down there. A hefty 85% of films featured more male than female characters. The study found male characters outnumbered females by almost two to one. And just 31% of films featured sole female protagonists. Like Queen Pins. Queen Pins is a is a female protagonist movie. I think about Queen Pins a lot. I was thinking about it yesterday. I was also thinking about Paul Walter Hauser. I'm sorry <laughs> that I'm going off. I was like, I, I kept thinking, wow, he's a he's a good actor. Uh, <laughs> and uh, then I was trying to think, what movie was he in with, uh, and, then, and then it just all led back to Queen Pins. I like Queen Pins. Queen Pins is a good movie. Very fun, very funny. Major female characters in 2021 dropped slightly from 2020, 38% in, uh, 20, uh, from 38% in 2020 to 35% of major characters last year. All right, let's get down to the uh, brass tacks of the, uh, the, the people of color, females, women of color. Black females comprise 16.4% of major female characters, up from 13.2% in 2020. Uh, I have a theory on that, and I don't want to say it out loud because I don't want to get murdered. <laughs> in 2021, 60.6% of female characters in speaking roles were white, which is down from 71.0 in 2020. 19.3% were black, up from 169 9.5% were Latina, uh, uh, up from 58 And 8.4% were Asian or Asian American, up from 6. 0.3% were Native American, 0.5 were MENA and uh, 1.4 were of multiple races or ethnicities. Hmm. And it, and uh, another interesting point that they point out here is that the major the percentage of major char- uh, Latina characters doubled, but it seems that 
the major roles only came in the form of movies like Encanto and In the Heights and West Side Story and Spirit Untamed and Cry Macho. Spirit Untamed, I don't think I ever... That's the, uh, that's the remake based on the TV show, based on the, the animated TV show, based on the live-action movies. It's, it's good to see these numbers uh, grow. I think every time there's a study like this, I always point out that they should be growing, in them, but they need to be growing exponentially. I also don't, and I'll just go ahead and say this, I also don't want um, uh, there to be a white guilt in casting, you know, because, because they hear something in the news and they go, oh, I feel bad for this race of people. And uh, maybe we should just start casting them. And then, and then, and then, when uh, when when black people are, are hired to make movies, they're only allowed to make the Black Panther. And when uh, uh, Colombian people are only allowed to make movies, they're only allowed to make Encanto. And it's, you know, oddly enough, it's one of the few things my my barber and I uh, agree on. We don't want to <laughs> we don't want to see. We're tired of seeing movies about slaves. Essentially, we want to see. Uh, like he he and he mentioned a show like uh, Power. I've never seen it, but I but I get the gist of it by watching the trailers of it. We we're we're tired of that, and we want to we want to have uh, movies like uh, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, or uh, 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 I'm and and also for for uh, for other uh, races as well, for Asians and for uh, the Spanish speaking races, race races. <laughs> And for and for Native American people as well, you know everything I've seen that has involved Native American people has only has been like Yellowstone. It's about uh, it features the on the reservation. The other one from Taika Waititi on um, FX. Uh, that one's about reservation. I just I just want to. I've noticed an uptick of movies set in in the past. <laughs> And like the power of the dog is movies that are set in the past and they give excuses to having to cast only all white, white people, all white cast members. Uh, 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 power of the dog, the show hacks that's set in, that's set in the, that's set in the present, but still, you know, you're telling me in all of Hollywood, <laughs> they don't, or Vegas, wherever the heck they live, they don't, there's no, there's not more than uh, uh, one one uh, uh, person of color. Yeah, some use a person of color. I don't really like that one that much. Any hoosers. So yeah, let's open up. Let's open up casting. Let's keep doing it. Come on, baby. Let's go. Because speaking of which, this comes from Variety, written by Elsa Kislasi. Diversity on screen drives international audiences. Stars survey says. You know, the reason why there's so many stories from uh, Variety is because I trust Variety. I like them a lot. I like their writers. I like the Hollywood Reporter as well. I think the rap has gone downhill. They're asking me to, to pay every single time I read an article. I think it's a waste of my time, and I'm not doing that. I have already paid so much for so many of these periodicals. Uh, New York Times gets my full amount of money. Wall Street Journal's getting my money. Uh, and, uh, I give money to NPR sometimes. I, I'm sick of it. Not everybody can get money. <laughs> I want a tote bag from the New York from, from the New Yorker. I put one in the wash and it and that was a bad idea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right, diversity on screen. So this is a interesting little tidbit I saw. There's a report that came from uh, in partnership with Center for Scholars and Storytellers at UCLA. It was uh, conducted by Stars. Yes, Stars 
the uh, premium cable channel slash streaming service that is owned by Lionsgate. This is all about, uh, this came from the celebrate uh, a transparency talk from March 16th, 16th on uh, celebrating Women's History Month. I took a lot of uh, Women's History Month classes on Peloton. Uh, and I'm not saying that that makes me an ally. That makes me that makes me uh, help the conversation. But it was very nice uh, to do and nice to have the option to take uh, a, a class hosted by or classes rather hosted by women and uh, listening to uh, uh, f- great female artists. It's very great. Uh, the enlightening report revealed that more than 75% of international audiences want to see multicultural content, especially respondents from Mexico, India, and Cambodia. And let me tell you, each one of them is above 80, 84%, uh, wanting to see different, uh, races and different uh, types of storytelling. Another interesting finding is the large proportion, 64%, 64.8% of respondents who said that, quote, seeing people from different groups and backgrounds than their own in TV and media makes them feel more empathy towards others. And that would make sense if if uh, if I if I was watching, you know, let's 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 just go. Let's go with Encanto because that's the first that's the only thing I can think of. Um, if I see a movie uh, that takes place in Colombia, it's a real place. It's not, you know, uh, space like Wally or something. It's uh, it's a real thing, and my and I, I watch that, and I have children, or I have younger siblings, or I have younger cousins, uh, uh, who I was gonna say younger friends, and I just <laughs> like why would I be friends with a ten year old? Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, well, Dennis the menace, but I, <laughs> I but but like if but if they were able to see that and go well, there's more to life than uh, just white and black. There's more to life than then, uh, you know, some people really love their family. And that's what, and that's what Encanto is about. It's a lot about family or it's a lot about inheriting, uh, special gifts and, and treating yourself especially and all that, all that jazz that, uh, Pixar loves to do in every single movie. Uh, like the movie Turning Red, which ended the movie with, uh, the joke of my panda, my choice. And I stood up and I said, I'm done with this movie. And I finished out. It was literally like the last minute. And I turned, and I turned it off. And I said, I hate this movie. It was a bad movie. <laughs> but it was nice to see, uh, you know, Asian people in leading roles. <laughs> Even though all the jokes were poor. It was like a, it's like a DreamWorks movie made by Pixar. And I don't understand why people people are only you know never mind I'm gonna I'm gonna stop talking, but diversity on screen is definitely something that we need to push for. Uh, and again, I think that goes back to not only yes, it's it's wonderful to see stories about uh, someone's culture and everything, but uh, for all intents and purposes, and I know I just made fun of uh, Turning Red, but a lot like let's say half of that movie was about the Chinese culture and and this red panda and learning about family and all that stuff. But then the other half was just this young girl with a diverse friend group, uh, a fat one, an Indian one, a fat one with an ADD problem, Indian one, and a, a possible lesbian. Um, they they were they're all hanging out and 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 uh, and and taking advantage of this girl's gift of being a red panda and and being able to turn into a red panda. 
Uh, surprise, surprise. That's the movie. Go watch it. It's on It's on streaming. <laughs> it's been a week. If you wanted to see it, you would have seen it. Uh, and 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 so that's why you know I I appreciate diversity on screen. I, I one time I heard and I keep thinking about this during um, uh, one of the Hollywood reporters uh, uh, talks during awards season. Um, and Gerard Carmichael was was on one of them, and he said that he doesn't believe. And I'm just and I'm, and I'm quoting this. I'm paraphrasing it. He said he doesn't believe it when. Uh, somebody on screen has a group, a multicultural group of friends, and I just thought, well, <laughs> I mean that that's that makes sense for some people, but not for the majority of people. For a lot of people, there's they have a dif- diverse friend groups, and and we have to start instead of saying, oh, blacks can only make uh, one type of show, and they can only star in one type of show, and whites can only make whites can make anything essentially, and Asians can only make one type of show, and they can only date Asians and hang out with Asians and Indian people can only make one type of show. Like we have to, we have to, we have to start treating every culture like it's the exact same and start fighting against our true enemies, which are the aliens and the Russians. All right, let's get to this last story. It comes from, just kidding, New York Times, written by Katie Robertson. Dozens of BuzzFeed employees claim they were illegally shortchanged in the IPO. So if you recall, uh, BuzzFeed went public just a little short a bit ago. Which meant that the people that were working there when it was private should have made a couple of bucks. But, as it turns out, nearly 80 former and current employees of BuzzFeed accused the company in complaints on Tuesday of bungling its stock market debut and denying the workers a chance to sell their shares at a higher price in two claims made to the American Arbitration Association, AAA. Not that one. Which resolves disputes out of court. I really like that. It was a really funny one. Uh, the employees said the company had failed to properly instruct them on how to trade their shares immediately after the initial public offering in December. I wonder if that means that, and this is just me having some conjecture, some my conjecture. I wonder if that means that... Uh, they did that on purpose and from the outside. This is this is me from the outside. I wonder if that means they did that on purpose in order to make it look like they had more shares, I guess, and and make it seem to other investors and to their regular investors that that they are doing well. Because I don't think that the BuzzFeed stock is in fact doing well. Let's see. BuzzFeed stock trading at not even five dollars today. And uh, let me check their year to date. Who bully? Well, it's not down that much. Highest was 508. Lowest is 470. Now they're at 489. They're asking for compensatory, compensatory damages estimated at more than $8.7 million, according to claims. BuzzFeed started trading on December 6th. Of last year, and uh, it dropped sixty percent. <laughs> Did not do well. Uh, there, so there are seventy-seven employees who have more than nine hundred thousand shares of BuzzFeed stock when it went public. So, uh, and I, this is a guy who only watches CNBC and then does some light reading of stocks online and uh, and trades, uh, and who lost a, a, a lot of money. I was going to curse, but this is a clean show. <laughs> lost a lot of money within the last year or so. Uh, <laughs> the, 
when so my understanding is let's say let's say uh buzzfeed goes public i've got you know 150 shares and uh and and right when that ipo hits and uh or let's say i worked at rivian and 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 uh and Rivian went public last year as well, and I had 150 shares, and uh, and they were they were they were rumored to be trading at you know right before the IPO goes uh, you know 38 dollars or so, and then uh, right before the IPO starts, that number jumps up to 56, and I want to take a hundred of those shares and I want to just dump them off so I can make a little bit of change before that. Uh, or right when, or right when it happens, or right when the IPO drops and it's and it starts trading at fifty six, and I want to dump off a hundred of those shares. Uh, I believe that what it seems like is BuzzFeed said, uh, uh, "Y'all want to trade shares?" And they like, "All right, we'll we'll tell you how." And they never and they never told them. The two claims were filed separately before the American Arbitration Association because a clause in the employee's contracts requires certain disputes to go to arbitration instead of court. BuzzFeed filed for that spec. They value they were valued at uh, this is June last year at one point five billion. The company's worth a third of that now. Holy crap! Oh, the camera shut off. Let's turn it back on, baby. Come on, <laughs> let's go, camera. Sometimes in meetings that camera shuts off when I get to uh, exactly 34 minutes, and uh, right now I did it at 29:55, and uh, you won't believe people's reaction. So now <laughs> I usually just stop the virtual camera and uh, and then I restart it because I have to because again it's just, I'm on a Mac right now instead of having a PC because a PC died. Anyway, Buzz so BuzzFeed was going to uh, by the time of the merger in December. 94% of over 250 million raised by the SPAC was withdrawn by investors leaving the company with only 16 million. The complaints argued that because of this, BuzzFeed execs had a fiduciary duty to reevaluate the plans to go public. But the IPO went ahead and BuzzFeed began trading on NASDAQ at, uh, on December 6th under the ticker symbol BZFD. The employees, the claim said, were looking forward to finally cashing in those shares, but quickly realized that they were unable to do so because they had not been told extra steps were needed to convert their Class B shares before they could sell them. Hey, I was kind of right. Yeah, see, they were just like, uh, BuzzFeed's like, no, nah, we're healthy. <laughs> That's commonly, it's not associated with what's commonly known as a lockup agreement, which uh, makes you keep your shares uh, for a certain amount of time. Like if you buy an, if you buy into an IPO, uh, instead of selling off your shares immediately so that you could have, uh, you know, that money. Like if you, like if I, like again, if Rivian was supposed to trade at 38 and then I bought into IPO at 38 and then it, and then uh, people were so high on it that they that it started trading at 56, I couldn't sell those shares day one. I have to wait six months, which is uh, something I did not do. I did not, I did not buy Rivian. I'm not, I'm not saying I, I bought the shares and I sold them immediately. That's illegal. No. Uh, I did not buy Rivian at all. I should have. Oh, I should have. Hey, but listen, uh, BuzzFeed, you know, this is, and this is, and this goes back to the New York Times. The New York Times has has been steadily trading at, what, 20, between 20 and $25 for the past 50 or 60 or some odd years or however, however many years it's been trading at uh, that, and it's never really grown. And I think... Uh, and, and you know, I just, I don't know. Oh God, 
this pisses me off. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the top of the article. If you look at the New York Times article, and uh, the the picture that they feature has a guy in the back with sunglasses on at the at the Nasdaq listing, and he ha- and he has a cardboard sign that he's holding, and it says Two Way Star, and I think that's a reference to Succession, and it pisses me off to no end. Also, not that many uh, dark skinned people over there, but anyway. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I don't even know what I was talking about before, but you know, the New York Times uh, trading, and so, uh, and to some regard, I, can, I obviously cannot speak, you know, for the for the impetus for this entire company of what uh, jo- Jonah Peretti, the chief executive of BuzzFeed, uh, is thinking, and, and and his board members and all that stuff. But to some extent, I I, I want to say that the that BuzzFeed is really trying to be this newfound version of uh, of of New York Times. But even though they have a couple of Pulitzers or uh, a couple of, uh, uh, you know, they're they're a well clicked site, uh, it doesn't necessarily translate to something that is as trustworthy as Wall Street Journal, New York Times, or even the Atlantic or, or Vox, even something that you can take as seriously. And so I think that's where investors uh, really see. I don't know, you know, when the, when you see these companies go public, I just I don't. Do they want that influx of money? Like, is that is that something? Because we've seen a lot of, especially unicorn uh, companies, unicorns, uh, not do well. Not just they just come and then they just they're on there and then then you know there's that maybe initial high and then they go lower and then or if anything they flatline and go lower. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. What does BuzzFeed want? What does BuzzFeed want out of being public? And then doing this uh, shortchanging of their IPO to their employees. This is what happens when we let millennials do things. <laughs> hey, listen. Speaking of millennials doing things, why don't you uh, head on over to the website, cpluscomedy.com, where there's uh, stuff. <laughs> uh, it'll be fun. You should definitely check it out. You can also go to youtube.com slash comedy to see a video version of this show. See me sitting in a shirt that says, my favorite people call me grandpa. Uh, uh, yeah. It was given to me on my birthday a couple years ago. Uh, by my friends who are not my children. But hey, I love hanging out around uh, kids, I guess. <laughs> no. Yes, uh, no, no, no to that, but yes to the continuing of me doing this. YouTube.com slash equals comedy. See a video version of the show as well as our premiere show, News Time, all caught up. This week's episode is about Disney not saying, uh, or Disney won't say gay, that's what it's called, but Disney's uh, ineffectual statement about the don't say gay bill down in Florida. I did another, it's another musical called Open, so definitely check it out. Uh, we don't talk about Bruno is, uh, now we don't talk about Disney or we should talk about Disney and, uh, let it go is in there and, uh, how far I'll go. It's a medley. Check it out. YouTube.com slash C plus comedy. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at C plus comedy. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Chad Black White. Like us on the Facebook rate review, subscribe to this show, wherever you get your podcast, tell your friends, please. I'm tired of talking to myself <laughs> and the, uh, dozen people out here. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you. I love you. Goodbye. Oh, no. I, this is a second week in a row. I forgot to start up the uh, the fourth uh, whatever. Whatever.